Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase, every day. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Great to have you here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's all about you and that wallet of yours. I want you to learn ideas from me so you can keep more of what you make. You're looking for bargains? Check out ClarkDeals.com. Coming up in just a few minutes, yet another bit of ugliness involving Facebook. And you're not going to believe the conspiracy that Facebook was involved in that I'll be sharing with you. Coming up yet later, there's new data on what job skills lead to the greatest job opportunities, greatest pay, and greatest career growth. I'm going to fill you in. And I want to talk to you right now about something that if you have not taken out a loan in a while, or you're taking out a mortgage for the first time, or you're doing a refinance, there is a shift going on right now in the mortgage industry that creeps out a lot of people that are older and is the only way it should have been done to people that are younger taking out their first mortgage. And that is, instead of you having, a, let me let me first say this for people who've never taken out a mortgage. Historically, the way mortgages are done and refis are done is pretty much like they were done in 1965, except worse. You have to have paper on top of paper on top of paper. You have to see if in your mortgage application, you can be single-handedly responsible for destroying several trees because everything's done with these check sheets and every single document being marked off that it's been, it's there and all that. And after you send documents, they'll say, oh, we need these documents. Say, already sent them. Well, we don't see them. Send them again. So more trees go down. It is one of the most inefficient sectors there is in capitalism. But the change taking place now is that there are more and more people in the mortgage industry that are modernizing how the process goes. And it started with a subsidiary of one of the nation's largest mortgage lenders in Detroit, and they came up with a product called Rocket Mortgage. And now what they have been doing is spreading bit by bit through the mortgage industry where you have an app on your phone, you scan in on your phone documents that they have asked for, and you submit them electronically. And then there's no question that you submitted it. No more, well, we don't care if you submitted it, we can't find it, send it again, junk. There's nobody trying to get you to use something that's prehistoric called a fax machine. I mean, I just imagine what it's like for a 20-something who maybe is taking out his or her first mortgage being told they have to go find a fax machine. This ancient technology that sends things over a traditional phone line, seriously, that nobody even has anymore. So kicking and screaming, 
the mortgage market is going forward, and you're going to find that some are completely on board with doing everything digitally. Others are doing a hybrid where some documents you have to send in the, the paper, and others you can do electronically. Some just allow you to send full electronic records for part of what's needed. So I know this freaks out traditionalists, but man, nobody's going to say the way mortgage applications have been done in the United States, the way they were done was the good old days. Let me tell you, they were really nasty, terrible old days. And modernizing, you know, banks are so poor at modernizing. It's just not in their DNA. But this is one sector that outside non-traditional mortgage lenders are forcing change on the staid, bureaucratic, slow-to-change banking industry for the good. David's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, David. Hi, Clark. It's a great honor to speak to you. Well, great to have you here, David. You have a Credit Karma question for me. First, will you explain yes. to your fellow listener what Credit Karma is? Um, it's a service that allows uh, you to check uh, uh, your uh, credit uh, report from uh, um, uh, two of the major bureaus uh, whenever you want. So you are not uh, limited to the um, once-a-year um, credit, uh, free credit report. And so not and, only do you get to see your report, you get to see their approximation of your credit score updated every seven yep. days for free. Have you that, been happy with really this? Uh, have you been happy with the scores that showing you have? Yes, I I have on both uh, very close to eight hundred. I have seven ninety five on one and seven eighty five on the other one. And just the other night. Uh, uh, while I was uh, logging in to check those uh, scores, um, a pop-out came up uh, offering to enroll in a beta uh, service called uh, Credit Lock. And they briefly described it as uh, being able, uh, with a touch of a button, to lock and unlock um, the the credit report on all the three of of the bureaus. However, being a listener, um, the the word freeze did not come up. So I was wondering also under the liability point of the bureaus, what is the difference between a credit lock and a credit freeze? Oh, this is such a great question you're asking and is one that has confused so many people. So here's the deal. The credit bureaus now, because of Congressional Act, have to make credit freezes free. And the credit bureaus hate credit freeze because they don't make most of their money from selling your um, current credit score and credit report to industry. The way they make their money is selling your information over and over again to people who want um, data people maybe to offer things to or to check up on or whatever. 
And when you set in place a credit freeze, you kill the income that the credit bureaus make from you. So they've all three come up with the idea of credit lock, which does part of what credit freeze does and that it prevents someone from being able to check your credit to extend credit to someone, which is the great benefit of credit freeze, but it allows the credit bureaus to, sit till, to still sell your dossier to all comers for all other purposes other than making a credit decision. So they still make almost all the income they'd make from you if you do a lock instead of a freeze. The one other difference is that if one of the credit bureaus really messes up, like Equifax did last year, then you have no rights um, under a credit lock. You waive all your rights to go after the credit bureaus for negligence or anything like that in the event that your information does get out when it shouldn't. So they're different, but the advantage of what Credit Karma is offering you, and that's only, as you said, a beta, only some people are being offered this, is it's a lot quicker and easier for you as a consumer than setting up credit freeze. I see. Well, that um, being a law student, uh, that, exp- that explains a lot. Uh, as you said, uh, uh, maybe the credit freeze uh, might be a little more uh, troublesome to set up, and to toll, but uh, uh, the, the liabilities uh, um, towards the consumer uh, are uh, different, as you said. Exactly. You're completely right. And by the way, I should mention, in going back to the Equifax story, that Equifax, after uh, all their gross negligence involving the massive breach of our data that will haunt most American adults for the rest of our lives that Equifax's one year of what to me is worthless free credit monitoring is coming to an end. Do not let them con you into paying to continue credit monitoring. By the way, if you set up an account with Credit Karma and your credit has to be at least temporarily thawed to do that, you set up a Credit Karma account, you can monitor your credit for free without having to worry about somebody having done something wrong to get you a free year. Lynn is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Lynn. Hi, good afternoon. How are you doing? Very well, thank you. How can I serve you, Lynn? Um, This Christmas, I purchased five kits for DNA testing for myself, my husband, my son, his girlfriend, and our grandson, thinking this would be fun. And <laughs> it is to me, but to a lot of people, it's not. <laughs> well, my son, recently I read on the internet, which obviously I don't know if it's true or not. One of the pharmaceutical companies happened to purchase this particular company. And my son is now hesitant and said, no, he doesn't want to do it because he doesn't trust what happens with the information. That is a very... Uh, legitimate concern and one that people have been very worried about what happens with the data that 23andMe now has on you or Ancestry.com has on you. Now, I, I take the craziest position, which is I figure everything about us ends up out there anyway, 
And so I have talked openly on the air about what I found out about my medical future, uh, possibly based on what 23andMe has found out. So there is a, there is a concern what pharmaceutical companies might do, what insurance companies might do, or who knows who might do with the information on us. And so you know what some people have done, Lynn, in this case, is they've done only the um, the family tree history type of tests rather than the one that gives you the full medical. Okay. And, you know, 23andMe, because of people's concerns, has divided their sales product into one that just does family tree and another that does the full medical along with the family tree. So, obviously, I just need to make sure that the one that I purchased does not do the medical aspect, but the family tree part of it is okay. As best, I, I can't think of what would go wrong with that other than when people find out that the people they think they're related to aren't necessarily, which has been a terrible issue where people have found out uh, family deep, dark secrets and surprises. And uh, so 23andMe and Ancestry have both had to train their customer service workers in basic counseling because of the surprises that have popped up. Okay. So, well, I appreciate that. So I think it's all fun, but a lot of other people aren't finding this all fun in games. <laughs> okay, well, I appreciate your help. Thank you very Certainly. much. Have a good afternoon. You too. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Today's Clark Rageous moment is something that is such a lesson in capitalism that if you get to the point where you cut corners, that you lose your ethical and moral compass in business, you can end up making less money and alienating more people than if you just did business right in the first place. Wait till you hear what Facebook was involved in doing in today's Clark Rage. Scams, ripoffs, outrages. It's a Clark Rageous moment. So this is a stunner reported in USA Today that in court documents, Facebook was involved in a conspiracy with game makers that was specifically designed and the game makers were encouraged by Facebook to cheat the families of minor children playing games. So if people started playing a game through the Facebook platform and there would be what are called in-game purchases or in-app purchases, Facebook was working with the app developers to specifically run up hundreds, if not thousands of charges on a parent's bank account or credit card and specifically designed it as a way that the parents would not know until the bill came. Facebook employees involved in the conspiracy 
referred to children who were playing these games a lot as whales. And there's all these documents that uh, clearly spell out that Facebook actively conspired to steal money from families trusting Facebook as a platform. Facebook encouraged developers to get kids to spend money without ever getting permission from their parents. This is unconscionable. Facebook, um, according to court documents, had an active policy even when they got caught to refuse to issue refunds. And the cost to families, some, in some cases, was in the thousands of dollars. Facebook says they're voluntarily disclosing the uh, failures they had in this area and that parents can actually now process a refund of the money that was refused before. So I'll put up on Clark.com information for you as a parent. If over the last many years you got cheated this way by Facebook, to apply for and receive the refund of the ill-gotten gains. And Facebook, shame on you. There's plenty of money to be made doing things the right way versus the wrong way. First, the bad news. SAP Business AI won't help you generate Cubist versions of your family's holiday photos. But it will help you understand which supplier is best to help you roll out your plant-based packaging in Southeast Asia. Identify the training your junior project manager needs to rise up the ranks and automate repetitive tasks while you focus on big innovations. So you can be ready for the next opportunity. Revolutionary technology. Real-world results. That's SAP Business AI. I'm so glad you're here with us on the Clark Howard Show, where it's about you learning ways to keep more of what you make. How about being able to make more? Well, I got some cool information for you straight ahead. Our main website, Clark.com. So I want to share with you a study that I have read a summary of. I've not read the full report, but if you're interested, I'll tell you where to get it in a minute. There is an organization called Burning Glass Technologies, and they do job market research. And they have done an extensive study that I think is the second year they've done this, of what the job trends are and what you need to know to have the greatest job opportunities, the greatest chance for advancement, and the greatest potential to earn more money in your job. And they refer to it in this year's report as hybrid jobs, that the people that are most sought after in the job market are people who have a skill set that involves both the soft side and the hard side, if you will. Like, as an example, somebody who is a theater major who also has a concentration in engineering, or someone who studies human behavior and maybe economics or statistics, that the idea is that having skills that operate, because most people go one way or the other. They'll go liberal arts or they'll go 
something in the sciences, more often in the liberal arts, but a mixture of the two and maybe a major and a minor or two majors or where you have specific hard science knowledge and then have one related more to humanity, that those two things together make you far more desired in the workplace, having far more job openings available to you, and the pay level you'll get will typically be in a hybrid job 40% higher. But that's not all. The job growth for jobs that require somebody with hybrid skills is twice as great moving forward. The chance that your job will be eliminated because of technology, automation, whatever, is one-fourth as great when you have both sides, skills from both sides of the brain, if you will. So if you want to have a greater deep dive on this, go to this website, burning-glass.com. Burning-glass.com. You'll see on the right-hand side of the front page information on the new 2019 study. If you want to dig deep, you can also link to the 2018 study of how hybrid employment works. And I never want you to study something just because it's good in the job market. I want you to do stuff that you'll enjoy. But there's no reason you can't do both sides of that. I think about one of the early adaptations of this before this term existed started probably, oh, mid-last decade when it became common that people that were artists also studied computer skills as the designing of art migrated mid-last decade from people sitting with a, you know, a sketch pad or whatever and migrated to people creating often on a Mac computer with a giant screen and that that required two sets of skills, one computing and the other the art skill, that that marriage of those two skills led to people having amazing career success in a field that historically had been something people were pursuing what they loved, art, but it didn't bring a lot of job opportunities available that paid well. Now the combination of those two does just that. Moses is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Moses. Good afternoon, Clark. Thank you for taking my question. Absolutely, Moses. How can I serve you? Yes, I have something in my credit report that is uh, not letting me get an apartment. Every time I try to get an apartment, they, they come up with that. And I called the company, uh, and they said they were settled with me uh, for half of the price. But my question is, how do I make sure that is legit, and how do I know how do I know they're going to take it off my credit report, or how do I go about taking it off my credit report after I pay them the amount? All right, so let's talk through the possibilities. What kind of debt was it? It was an apartment, 
uh, that my roommate did not pay, but the, oh. the apartment was in my my name. That is the worst scenario when you're trying to rent an apartment. When they see an unpaid debt for an apartment, you're as you've yes. discovered, you're dead meat trying to rent one. So yes. making a deal with them is fine, but only if you get that deal in writing. And the writing can be in an email. Okay. And so you would need from them saying that uh, we will accept payment of these number of dollars as full satisfaction of this debt. And when you pay that, I recommend that you pay them by money order. Money order, okay. The reason I recommend money order is that if you pay by credit card, you pay by um, checking account, you pay by debit card, there are some dishonest collection agencies that once they have account information, they will continue to debit or continue to charge even though you have already paid as agreed. Okay. And so if you pay by money order, they've got nothing that they can use to try to get more money out of you improperly. Okay, okay. But it, but you, they don't get anything from you till you have something in writing, either by letter or email, saying that, that just as they have said to you, that they put that in writing and that you honor that by paying that amount of money to them. So okay. now I wanted to go to something you said, getting it removed from the credit. All right. So the way this plays out is if, and you can make a deal with a collection agency, that if you pay something, they agree to remove it from your report. But you'd need that from them in writing before you paid them the money you've agreed to. Okay, Otherwise, so what will happen is it will still show on there, but it will show no balance owed, which, depending on the apartment management group where you'd go to rent, may be enough for them, or it just even being there could still be a problem. I see. Okay. So okay. remember, till you give money, you actually have all the power. All righty. And be more careful picking your roommates moving forward. <laughs> Uh, believe me, I, I will. Okay. That's for sure. <laughs> right. Best to you. Bill is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Bill. Hi, Clark. How are you doing today? Great. Thank you, Bill. You are one brave man. Well, you know, it was funny. I was listening to your thing about hybrid jobs. And let me tell you, being an assistant chief of a busy firehouse is all about hybrid jobs. So you deal with uh, human things all the time, and then you have the the science of firefighting all mixed together. Yeah, I live with guys for 48 hours at a time. Psychology definitely becomes a, a, a good thing to have on your side. <laughs> well, you know, I think that most listeners are not aware that what you do as a firefighter is one of the most dangerous of all public service jobs. Yes, there's so much going on right now with first responders having uh, suicide issues, and then there's also the cancer risks. So they are the uh, NFPA, National Fire Protection Association, is addressing these, and our training has changed a lot to uh, encompass this, but still, it is a dangerous job. And is it true that 97% of calls now are not for traditional house fires, therefore responding to a car wreck or... Uh, personal crisis or medical emergency or whatever? 
Yeah, and our and uh, currently, I believe it's like uh, across the country, sixty five percent of all calls now are EMS, emergency medical services calls. I can tell you in our fire department, we have not faced a house fire last year at all, but the amount of car wrecks was probably in the two to three hundred range. And then, of course, the opioid epidemic keeps us very busy also. Yeah, I know. I I have a lot of sympathy for these people. But at the same time, they just keep doing the same thing over and over again. So do you all go around with Narcan kits? Uh, yeah, actually, we do carry Narcan, and uh, it's it's amazing how fast that stuff works. And you can honestly, you know, when the person says, oh, I haven't been doing any drugs, I'm like, well, I just woke you up with an item that basically only works if you've been doing drugs. Right, right. Okay. <laughs> oh, man. Well, how can I be of service to you today since you're of service to your fellow citizen every day? Yeah, well, I love what I do. Um, I have a question for you. I have the option to retire at age 55 and I am 50, uh, 50 and a half right now. And if I stay till 60, I can get an extra $900 a month in my check. And I'm just trying to figure out that'd be an extra five years to get an extra $900 in my uh, retire. It's a defined pension, uh, Defined guaranteed pension plan. I don't know how you call it. Yeah, those are those are becoming style. dinosaurs. You're lucky you still have one of those. Yes, and thankfully the uh, state that I work for is at I think the pension plan's funded to ninety six percent. So I don't really have a worry there. But I, my big question was when I'm doing out the math, trying to figure out um, how long it's going to take me to recover. So the state will pay me to sit at home at age fifty five, roughly about sixty percent of my paycheck. Or if I stay till age 60, I'm going to be, I'll get an extra $900 a month. But according to my calculations, it's going to take me almost 14 years to make up the money that I would have got paid just to sit at home anyway. Yeah, exactly. And that's the same kind of calculation you have if you looked at when people take Social Security or whatever. But all right, let's talk about how you make that decision. So you retire at 55. Once you've made it to age 55, the odds get pretty favorable. You may live into your mid-80s as right. maybe an expected lifespan. So you said it would take, at age 60, it would take you nine years to make that uh, up? 14 years. 14 years. So yeah. you'd be uh, 74. But cool. then from that point forward, you're getting significantly more money every month right. for as long as you would live versus the other. So it's really a question of you answering this with a lot of things that are more judgment calls on your part. First, if you love going to work every day and you'd miss it if you went out the door at 55, then you stay. On the other hand, if you're at 55, you're counting down the days till you've completed another 1,770 days or whatever that additional five years would be. If it's like a, a mountain you're climbing in psychologically, then go ahead and walk out the door at 55. Good, because that's kind of, I was just trying to see if you had any advice on that, because, you know, I've been thinking the same way you've been thinking, and I haven't ever heard this really addressed on the show, that, I, or at least I've missed it. And so far, everything you're saying dovetails exactly with my thinking. So I guess I'm going to have to wait and see and see how much I'm enjoying it at age 55. I'll tell you, I'm working with 20-year-olds, and it gets a little harder at this age to keep up with those guys. (laughs) 
Oh, well, can I tell you, I have a big cut on my nose and a bruise, and my nose is swollen because I was working what did you on you say a, wrong to your wife? No, not to my wife. I was working on a Habitat for Humanity crew with all 20-somethings, and we were running trusses up ladders, and they just went a lot faster than I did, and the truss hit me square in the nose, and I had blood just pouring down my face this past Saturday. I was bleeding again today. So uh, I know what you mean about trying to keep up with 20-somethings. I can't really do that anymore at 63, even though I was trying. Cheryl's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Cheryl. Hi, Clark. I just want to say, first of all, how much I appreciate your kindness and your spirit of patience and generosity that you give to all your callers. It, it means a lot. And there is another financial guru who does phone um, and radio shows who's all about being debt-free, who is not as kind and generous and, and wonderful as you are. And I appreciate Well, he's a great that. guy, just has a different manner he on does. the air. He has a very different manner. Yeah. And, and, I, and I love yours. Um, Thank you. So I have a, I have a question. I'm, I'll be 65 this year, and I have some Happy investment. birthday. Thank you. Um, I'm not taking it well, but it's better than the alternative. Um, so I have some um, bond funds and I have um, some other investments, but I really want, and I'm still working, and I really don't see anything in the future where I would stop working. Um, love my job. And in fact, I'm going to get my real estate license this year. Great. And, and so um, I'm, I ran across this thing called Fundrise. What would you have to say about them? It, from from the from a, uh, the surface, it appears to be maybe, for lack of a better word, a mutual fund for real estate. It's that it's not quite to that. It's one that's uh, offered in a different kind of format, where with a mutual fund, your money is available to you at any time. Okay. When you invest through Fundrise, you pay a fee that's typically around one percent for investing in real estate through them. But when you request to sell, there's a back-end charge many times of an additional 3% on all the money you have with them. And they have the right to delay paying you the proceeds that you when you wish to sell out or bail out. So it's a different kind of form of investing, if you're looking for liquidity with real estate, this is not it for you. Well, I'm looking for something where I can make more than what I'm making with bond funds and and my other investments. Which I, you know, I have two vehicles. One lost six thousand dollars last year. Sure. One made four, so I really only made two thousand dollars. Well, except Interest markets markets go up and down, up and down. Right. If you're right. interested in having a real estate quotient, compare Fundrise to some of the uh, REIT funds that are available. Look at Cohen and Steers Realty. Uh, look at the Vanguard REIT Index Fund. Look at the costs involved with them and the ease of getting in and out as an alternative to Fundrise. You're listening to The Clark Howard Show. 
Thanks for joining us today. The Clark Howard Show is produced by Kim Drobes, Joel Larsgaard, Deborah Reese, and Jim Ayers. And remember, 24 hours a day, we're there to serve you at Clark.com and ClarkDeals.com.